Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious gift it is to have your word, that it does instruct us on what is right and what is wrong, that we're left, not left in darkness, but you have indeed shone your light into our lives by speaking to us. Heavenly Father, we pray that we may be diligent in seeking to understand what you have said so that it helps us to understand who your son Jesus Christ is and how we can embrace him all the more. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, the subject of death is an uncomfortable subject for most of us. And we have different reactions to the concept of death. We have different emotions play out in our hearts. I've even just witnessed recently with our children as they're coming to the understanding of death, we see that they have... I'm never quite sure whether they really comprehend what's going on when they are faced with something that has died. Usually some little creature, some ant or cockroach has died. And the other day I caught Philippa crouched down looking at the drain outside for quite some time. I walked outside and she didn't notice that I'd come out the back door. I can see her crouched down and I sort of crept up behind her. And she was looking at a dead cicada that was in the drain amongst the leaves. And it was actually the cicada shell um, that had been left behind, the dead shell. And she was fascinated by this. She didn't know what it was, obviously. And she's sitting there crouching, looking at it. And then every so often, a little bit of wind would come along, which would rustle the leaves and, of course, move the cicada shell, which is so light. And she'd sort of jump. And she'd keep watching. And then a little wind would happen and she'd jump again. And you can just see this fascination with this thing that she knows is a creature of some sort. It, It used to be alive. But now it's not alive or is it and so she's got this fear mixed with this curiosity about the subject of death and we know from our own lives we have different emotions when it comes to death and the death of different things within our lives whether it's um whether it's animals or whether it's actual people and depending on who the person is and their relationship with us death brings different emotions death can even bring joy to some people when someone that you don't like or don't love, or a dictator of some country dies, there's often rejoicing. Even in, um, wasn't it last year, Margaret Thatcher, when she died, there was meant to be rejoicing in parts of London about the the former uh, Prime Minister of England. There was joy experienced over death. But there's not just joy experienced with death, there's also sadness. And that's one of the most common things we associate with death, is the sadness that comes from having someone that we love dearly and now is no longer in our life because death has snatched them away. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at death, a subject of death, and in particular the death, the plague of death that came to the Israelites in Egypt. And that brings me to my first main point this morning. There was a plague of death on Egypt. There was a plague of death on Egypt. And we see that in the chapter that we've been looking at, chapter 11 of Exodus. I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 11, page 64 of the Black Church Bibles, page 64 of the Black Church Bibles, where we see the plague of death come upon Egypt. If you want to follow my main points as well this morning, they're on the back of the church bulletin there. You can see my main points. And the first was there, is, there was a plague of death on Egypt, and we see that in Exodus chapter 11, page 64 of the Black Church Bibles. We see this plague of death come on Egypt. And firstly, we hear about this plague of death by God predicting that the plague of death would actually come. And we see that in chapter 11, verse 4. Chapter 11, verse 4 
We see Moses, as God's spokesman, say, So Moses said, This is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her handmill, and the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. We're first introduced to this plague of death as God makes this prediction that he is going to go throughout all of Egypt and kill every firstborn son. doesn't matter where and what type of rank that person in Egypt has, their firstborn son will die and also the firstborn of the cattle dies is the prediction that God makes. But then we don't just see that it's a prediction. We see that God actually fulfills this prediction. He makes the promise that these people will die and then we see that it takes fulfilment in chapter 12, verse 29. Flip over with me to page 66, verse 29 of Exodus chapter 12. We see the prophecy come true. At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. We see this prophecy, and then the fulfillment of the prophecy, and we see the reaction of the people to this prophecy. Is it one of great joy? No, we're told that it's one of loud wailing. Loud wailing as never has been heard in Egypt and never will be heard again is what God says. And so we see that a plague of death comes upon Egypt. The question then is raised, well, why? Why is this plague of death coming upon the Egyptians? It's a terrible plague of taking away all the firstborn sons of all the Egyptians. Why did this happen? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. There was a plague of death on Egypt because of sin. There was a plague of death on Egypt because of sin. God did not suddenly snap and say, okay, I'm just taking away all the firstborn sons of Egypt. No, he had been warning Pharaoh. He had given him warnings in the forms of plagues prior to this as well. Nine other plagues. This is the tenth and last plague. Nine other plagues. He had warned the Egyptians that they had to stop sinning and let his people go. And God said, okay, Pharaoh has sinned. So I'm going to bring this plague of death upon him. And we see that in verse 9 of chapter 11. Page 65, chapter 11, verse 9. The Lord had said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses uh, is ignored by Pharaoh and that is a sin of Pharaoh on Pharaoh's part. And so then because of that, so that, God's wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. The wonder of this plague of death is not wonderful in a happy sense, but it is indeed a wonder that all the firstborn sons would die on one night in Egypt is indeed a wonder. And it comes because Pharaoh refused to listen to God. He sinned against God. We also know that the plague of death became because of sin, because people who were God's people and obedient to him did not experience the plague of death. The plague of death did not come to the Israelites. We read that in chapter 11, verse 7, that it's predicted that it won't happen to the Israelites. Verse 7 of chapter 11 says, But among the Israelites not a dog will bark at any man or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. 
We see that the plague of death has to be because of sin, because those who follow God, those who uh, celebrate the Passover, as the instructions are given in chapter 12, and put blood up on door frames, those obedient people, they are protected from this plague of death. They are obedient. They are not sinning in the way that Pharaoh has consistently sinned against God. And so they do not experience the plague of death. And so my second main point is true. There was a plague of death on Egypt because of sin. There was a plague of death on Egypt because of sin. So we've seen there's a plague of death and we see that it's because of sin. Well, what's the lesson for us? This is Egyptian history, isn't it? From many, many millennia ago. Is there any relevance to us today? Well, this, this narrative should remind us that there is still a plague of death today. And that brings me to my third main point this morning. There is a plague of death on all humans. There is a plague of death on all humans. The Egyptian firstborn sons are not the only people to ever die in the world. All humans die. The Bible tells us this again and again. For example, Psalm 89 verse 48 says, What man can live and not see death or save himself from the power of the grave? Where Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 19 says, Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust and to dust all return. And Hebrews chapter 9 27 says, Man is destined to die once. What is your destiny? To die once. We know that there's a plague of death upon all humans because all humans die. And we see that in the scriptures teach us that, but we don't need the scriptures to tell us that all humans die. We can see that human history teaches us that all humans die. You just have to read history. It's the wealthy people. Do they, do they die? Yes. What about the poor people? Maybe we think the poor are somehow better off and, of course, they have a hard life, but maybe they get to live forever. No, we see in history the poor die just as much as the rich die. We see that those of high rank, rulers, they die just as people of low rank die in this world. And we see that even religious people, people who fast continuously, people who spend all day, every day in prayer or reading sacred scriptures, what happens to them? They die. We just have to read the pages of human history and we can know that everybody has this plague of death settling upon them. And then even from your own experience, do you know anyone who has been living forever? Do you know anybody around you who has died? Have you seen death come to more and more people in your own experience? We know that the plague of death has come upon all humans, not just the Egyptians. And so when we read of this plague of death in Egypt, we should be reminded that death is not isolated to the Egyptians. It's upon all of humanity. All humans die. And that brings me to my fourth main point this morning, because then we ask the question, well, why? Why do all humans die? My fourth main point this morning is there is a plague of death on all humans because of sin. There is a plague of death on all humans because of sin. Just as in Egypt, God told Pharaoh to stop sinning or a plague would come upon him of death, so we are told that it is because of our sin that death comes upon all humans. God predicted 
that Egypt would experience this plague of death because of their sin. And then what did we see? The prediction led to a fulfillment of that prediction where the plague of death actually came. And it's the same with God way back in Genesis. He predicted that humans would die if they sinned against him. In Genesis 2, chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, before any sin has been committed, God says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there's your law. And if you break that law, eating from that tree that you're not supposed to eat from, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Why do you die? Because you do what you're told not to do. You break one of God's commands. And then God's promise to Adam wasn't an empty promise. It was then fulfilled. After Adam took of that tree, God speaks and says to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. God promised if you eat from the tree of knowledge in good and evil, you will die. You will return to the dust. And when they do... God then curses Adam for what he's done and says, you will experience death now. And we see Adam dies. He lives a long time, 930 years. It's a pretty good innings. But he still died. And so have all humans since. So Romans 6 is right in what it says. The wages of sin is death. Why is death in the world? Because of sin. And the Bible tells us that and human history teaches us that as well. Why do so many people die in this world? It's because they break God's law. We can see it played out. You just read the pages of history. You see murderers are often murdered by other people. As people break God's laws, often they end up dying faster than the average person. And we can see that even in our own lives as we read the newspapers or know people around us. Those who live lives of great sin generally will die faster than others. You can't say it's a hard and fast rule, but if you drink and drive and you experience drunkenness on a regular basis and God has told us that drunkenness is a sin, you can die much faster. You'll do stupid things, hurt yourself, and drunkenness, the sin of drunkenness, will speed up your death. We can see that in our own lives. Why do people die? Because of sin. So why do all humans die? Well, it's because we've all sinned. There is no person who has not sinned. And so all humans die. Why is this terrible plague of death on the world? Because the terrible plague of sin has touched everybody's heart. And so we all deserve to die. Now that's a very mournful thought. For this Sunday morning, is there no hope for us? We all experience this plague of death. The Egyptians experienced the plague of death. And we all recognize we're sinners. So we deserve to die. Is there no hope for us? Well, that brings me to my fifth main point this morning. There was deliverance for God's people from Egypt because of death. 
There was deliverance for God's people from Egypt because of death. You see that in this text. It's the death jumps out at you, but do you see the fact that there is something joyful happening within this narrative for some of the people that are in Egypt? There's deliverance for them. By the plague of death, the Israelites were set free from slavery to the Egyptians. If you know the the rest of the book of Exodus up to this point, the Egyptians had experienced terrible slavery to the... The Israelites had experienced terrible slavery to the Egyptians. And it's by this plague of death that the Israelites are finally allowed to go. God predicted that this would be the case. In chapter 11, verse 8 of Exodus, God says... All these officials of yours, this is Moses speaking, he says, all these officials of yours will come to me bowing down before me and saying, go you and all the peoples who follow you. After that, I will leave. God said that's what will happen after the plague of death. And then we see that God fulfilled that promise. What do we read in chapter 12, verse 31? Chapter 12, verse 31, after there's loud wailing in Egypt, the plague of death has come. Chapter 12, verse 31, what do we read? During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also, bless me. We see here that God predicted that the Israelites would be set free once the plague of death came. And then we see that God fulfilled that promise. That once the plague of death actually came, the Israelites were allowed to go. And not only were they set free, not only were they delivered from slavery, but they were also abundantly blessed. Did you see that in the text as well? They plundered the Egyptians, is what it says. They were not only said to set free and that they could go from Egypt, but they were able to take lots of riches with them. And God once again predicted that that would happen, and then he fulfilled it. We see in chapter 11, verse 2. What do we read there? The Lord had said to Moses, it says in verse 1, and then we read in verse 2 what he says, Tell the people, that's the Israelites, that men and women alike are to ask their neighbours for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people. That's the Israelites. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. There's a prediction that the people need to ask for silver and gold from the Egyptians. And then after the plague of death, what do we read? Chapter 12, verse 34. Chapter 12, verse 34. So the people took their dough before the east was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. And then they, of course, leave Egypt in the following verses. So we see that death brought great sadness to the Egyptians but great joy to the Israelites. They were finally allowed to go, and they not only got to go, they got to go with gold, silver, clothing. They got to plunder the Egyptians as a result of the death coming into Egypt. But how does that bring joy to your life? How does death bring joy to your life? That's for the Israelites. Can death bring joy to your life? 
Well, that brings me to my sixth main point this morning. There is deliverance for God's people because of death. There is deliverance for God's people still today because of death. What does death need to deliver you from, though? You might be saying, okay, there's meant to be a joy from a death here, but what do I have to lose? What slavery do I have to escape from by a death? Well, the slavery that we experience all in this world is, of course, the slavery of sin. That sin that causes the death in our lives. Have you ever tried to stop sinning? We're in a new year, 2014. Will this be the year that you stop sinning? Or are you so enslaved to sin that you won't stop? We are all enslaved to sin, and we are all enslaved to the consequences of sin as well. We are on our way. We are tied up by the guards and on our way to punishment for sin as well. We can't escape it. The punishment for sin is eternal punishment in hell. And you can't escape that. You may be able to amass lots of wealth in this life. You may be able to get good connections with certain people. But remember, all people die. And you will all be punished for sin. Except there is a way. Death can bring escape from slavery. We've seen that with the Israelites in Egypt. And it's the same today as well. Death can set you free from slavery to sin so that one day you will sin no more and one day you'll be set free. You won't go to hell. Whose death? Your death? When you die, that means you'll stop sinning and... You won't go to hell? Well, no, the Bible tells us that man is destined to die once in Hebrews 9.27 and after that face judgment. We will be judged. That's our destiny. And we'll be sent to hell. But remember, it wasn't the uh, the Israelites' death that saved them. It was the death of other people that saved them. No Israelite firstborn son died. It was the firstborn sons of Egyptians that died and led to the deliverance of God's people. And so it must be the death of somebody else that delivers you from slavery to sin and the consequences of sin of hell. And it's so true. There is a death of somebody else that can set you free from slavery to sin and from the consequences of sin. And just like it was the king's son, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh's son, firstborn son, that really, I think, awakened Pharaoh to the fact that he needed to let God's people go, so it is a king's son that needs to die for you if you are to be set free from slavery to sin as well. Who is that king's son? It's the king of the world and his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus' death was not like any other death. It was a death of a substitute nature where he took the sin of those people who belonged to God upon his shoulders and the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus Christ so that he would die but others would go free. Just like in Egypt other people died and the Israelites were allowed to go free, so it is for us if we trust in Jesus' death for us. 
Jesus dies. Your death doesn't accomplish anything, but Jesus' death accomplishes much. What does it accomplish? Well, firstly, it sets you free from slavery to sin. It's amazing. Christians can actually start doing what is right. Yes, you are not set completely free. That comes when you die and go to heaven. Then you'll be made sinless and it will be impossible for you to sin. But even in this life, a Christian should, if they are a true Christian, they will start to experience sin less in their life. They will be able to overcome their struggles against sin as different bonds of sin are broken around them. They are gradually set free from sin in their life. So Jesus' death, the death of someone else, actually sets people free. And the death of Jesus doesn't just set you free from sin. What else happened to the Israelites? They were set free from slavery in Egypt, but they also got to plunder the Egyptians. They got to have great blessing poured out upon them. And that's the wonderful thing about Jesus' death. He doesn't just provide forgiveness for your sin and set you free from slavery to sin. He also tops up your bank account with righteousness. His death covers your sin, but also he credits righteousness to your account and great blessing. We have a fabulous inheritance because of Jesus' death. We know something of that in this life when someone dies... Usually, if they've got great wealth, an inheritance passes on to other people. And it's the same with Jesus Christ's death as well. What happens? Well, Jesus' death brings us into a heavenly city of great treasures stored up for you there. God doesn't just set you free from sin. He then takes you and puts you in a joyful, happy state for all of eternity. It's like we get to plunder the Egyptians. We get so much because of the death of somebody else. So how can that be the case for you? How can you experience being set free from slavery to sin and having great riches? Well, it's if you trust in Jesus Christ's death. You can have that today. You can be set free from sin and its consequences, knowing that when you die, you don't go to hell. Instead, you go to heaven to have great riches. If you will only turn from your sin, if you will only stop sinning and trust that Jesus Christ died for you, will you do that? Will you accept God's word and his instructions to you that you need to stop sinning and trust in Jesus' death? Because God makes promises and we see again and again that God's promises are fulfilled. We've even seen that in the text that we've just looked at today. What did God promise? He promised that Egyptian sons would die. What happened? Egyptian sons sons died. God promised that all who would sin would die. We saw that in Genesis, the passage that we looked at. What happened when when people sinned? They died. God predicted that the Israelites would be set free from slavery in Egypt. And what happened? They were set free from slavery in Egypt. God predicted that the Israelites would plunder the Egyptians. What happened? The Israelites plundered the Egyptians. God has predicted that those who do not trust in his son will die and face eternal judgment in hell. God's prediction comes true each time we've seen in the scriptures. That prediction will come true as well. 
But not just, remember, he predicted bad things would happen to the Egyptians, but God also predicted good things would happen to the Israelites. And God has predicted that good things will happen to those who trust in Jesus Christ. He's predicted bad things to those who reject Christ, but he's predicted good things for those who accept Christ. Will you really doubt God's word when he has shown again and again that what he predicts always comes true? You need to start trusting in Jesus Christ. Recognize that God has predicted that terrible things will happen to you if you don't and recognize that great things will happen to you if you do. Take God at his word. Trust in Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins and be set free from slavery to sin and experience great blessing, not just in this life, but particularly in the life to come. Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this lesson that we can learn from the plague of death in Egypt, that with the plague of death came great blessing to your people. And we can recognise that this points us indeed to Christ's death, that there is a plague of death on all of us because we also have sinned like the Egyptians. We have rebelled against you repeatedly. But because of the death of somebody else, we can go free. And that death of Jesus Christ is the death that does set us free. Lord, we pray that everybody in this room trusts in Jesus' death to set them free from sin and give them great riches in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.